Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, staring at the world-famous Adam Conk. Yeah, you are staring. It's we weird. are partying in the studio like it's 1999. Are we? Yeah. I don't have my flannel on. How old were you in 1999? Um, Do the math. 14, mostly. Oh, uh, like eighth grade? Yeah. That was like the most awkward year of your you life? bet it was. Go. Look, junior high school, seriously, bro, like was the worst time ever. For you two? I have some of the me. funniest stories ever, and I have some of the the worst stories, horror stories ever. That's when you start trying out different hairstyles. I was either getting beat up or beating up someone. <laughs> like it was there was no in between. You weren't just like at home chilling out reading a book. You were like getting I, beat I up. I don't know if I read my first book until college. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like a full book. Like a full book. Like, like not cover just to what cover. you need to pass a test, like an actual book. Yeah, like in high school, like I literally just skimmed through I'm with you, man. what they called cliff notes. Now they're called something different today. Yeah, now they're called textbooks. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Everything's online. I don't even right. get it. Right. We didn't have that. Everything we didn't was have printed. no internet. So in 1999. I have no email. We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> It, it was weird. It was weird. We had like local TV stations and then MTV, which was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you were a young person, that was the only thing available to you. And it was, it's like terrible for you. Yes. Especially <laughs> in, well, well, it can't, yeah. Especially then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and now, but anyway. <laughs> but you got options now. So we are partying here. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, great show today. I'm excited about our guests uh, a little bit uh, later on. Fascinating story today. Yeah, like, where'd you find this? I mean, you literally just saw the film on a plane. You're like, I want to interview this guy. No, someone told me about the documentary. And so, I, you know, I don't watch or look at everything people send me. But of this kind of struck my uh, my uh, accord in me because of his story. This rags to riches to back to, you know, doing this amazing work. And I started watching it, and I just kind of got stuck in it. And then... They asked if we would interview him on the show, and I was like, absolutely. So anyway. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, how about a little, how about we play a little game? Okay. Uh, you want to do that? <laughs> Let's play a game. Okay. It's called Underrated Overrated. We've played this before. Yeah. But you're a little rusty. Yeah, it's been, yeah. But uh, I'll be all right. Yeah, because you, you got a lot going on in your life. Uh, a lot of changes, a lot of good things. But anyway. <laughs> I'm assuming that you've rust. You're pretty rusty, so I want you to br- see if you can bring your A game. Oh, I'll bring it. Okay. All right. Overrated, underrated. Number one, French fries. French fries. French fries. Some people love them. Do you know how to say Are French they- fries in French? Fries. Fritz. Really? Yes. That's the French way to say it. Yes. Would you like some frites? Some frites. <laughs> yeah. All right. Overrated, underrated. Fritz. Well, if you're a, if you're a healthy person, they're completely overrated. <laughs> But if you're human, <laughs> if you're human, they're underrated. Uh, they're they're literally probably one of the best foods ever. So you love them? I love them. All right, thick ones, thin ones, any of them? I, I like, I like fried, fried, the fried French fried fries? ones. Yes, <laughs> you know you can fry anything and it's good. That's true. Yeah, I even mean, a rock. Yeah, like fry you a rock. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, especially in Louisiana. I mean, like fried food. But I don't eat a ton of fried food because once you start eating it, it's kind of like a drug. You can't mm-hmm. stop. I wouldn't know. But anyway, it, so yeah. All right, I need to clarify number two because okay. I'm not hating on people. 
I don't but hate. I hate. Kneeling before mass starts. You know how sometimes you just kind of kneel there until you feel like you should sit down. All right. So those overrated, are, underrated. Okay, those are people who are listening who aren't Catholic. When you walk into a Catholic church, <laughs> you kneel to pray. Like it's like a you yeah. know like get your heart ready for the service for mass. Right. So what are you asking? Well, sometimes you just kind of kneel there and stare into space until you feel like it's time to sit down. Right. So is that overrated or underrated? Um, <laughs> that experience. <laughs> it, the whole experience is completely and totally overrated, right? Okay. Because the hard part about kneeling is that, uh, here's what I hate, is that the person in front of you might be sitting, and so then you're kneeling into the back of their head, and that completely bugs me to death mm. when that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Preach it, brother. And so... <laughs> I believe you can kneel in reverence, but then you can sit in quiet and pray as well. Mm. Did you know that you didn't have to kneel to pray? What? You don't have to. What? Right. And you But there are times at Mass that we kneel it's appropriate because it's yeah. a very sacred moment. So, like, I get it. Yeah. But this is pre-Mass. Yeah, pre-Mass. Yeah. So you don't have to be on your knees the whole time. No, you don't have starts. to. Okay. I mean, no. but, not, but if that's your thing. If that's your thing, kneel on. Kneel <laughs> on. It's like Lionel Richie, Sail On. Sail On. <laughs> nice. Do you know that song? That's an 80s song. How old were you in the 80s? Uh, what year were you born? I was only 85. So mm. I was only alive half the 80s. Okay. But don't you don't remember, remember any of it. You <laughs> so, don't remember any of the not 80s. not an 80s child. All right, number three. Okay. Puppy videos. Puppy videos? Mm-hmm. I don't watch them. At I, all? I don't watch them. Although I had this weird, crazy dream last night. <laughs> Are you serious? That you reminded me of. I dreamed that I was flying somewhere, and then I had a layover in Toronto, Canada's airport, and I was sleeping on the floor, and there was this little puppy sleeping next to me. That was your dream? That was my dream, and I can't figure it out. Okay, now if you could film your dream, yeah, wouldn't you want to share it on the internet with everybody? No, because okay. it just would be stupid. <laughs> so you don't like puppy videos? Puppy videos? I mean, I don't mind puppies, but why watch puppy videos? Dude, it's a thing. Okay. People... For you. Spend... Well, personally, I don't spend time watching puppy videos. Okay. But my kids do. Well, of They course. love the puppy videos. Yeah, we'll just get a puppy. Okay. Well, apparently you think it's underrated. It is. And I struck a chord. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do you have any more of these? Yeah, one more. One more. Overrated, underrated. Canada. <laughs> Canada? Canada. Uh, I think Canada's cool. Have you ever been? No. That's uh, why I'm asking because nice I'm thinking about going. So uh, I've been sort of uh, East Coast, West Coast, mm-hmm. nowhere in the middle, uh, and both absolutely beautiful. And the okay. people are amazing. So underrated. And don't go in the winter. Don't go in the winter. That's don't good go advice. In the winter. <laughs> but like Vancouver in the summer, oh my gosh, bro, amazing. So anyway. So underrated. I got to go. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go. So anyway, we got a great show. Uh, you're going to be uh, challenged by this interview today with Dr. Moley. We'll be right back. Paul and George Show. The Paul and George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare, 
www.ohio.org. All right, welcome back to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you today. I'm really, really excited about our guest today, Dr. Charles Mully, all the way from Kenya, but you're traveling through the United States. Dr. Mully, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, I'm happy really to be able to talk to you. Awesome. Now, Dr. Mully, you're from Kenya. You have a fascinating story. So for those who are listening, uh, they have no idea. Uh, a lot of people have never met you, but I just got finished watching your documentary. They did a documentary on your life. It's called Mully, and it's a full feature documentary uh, by the director, Scott Hayes, about your life. And this is what I want to get into. So this is a fascinating story that you have, um, Dr. Mully. Uh, so, so give me a little background on where you're from, and then I want to ask you some questions about your story. Well, uh, thank you so much. I come from Africa, Kenya, but of course uh, in Machakos County, and therefore that's where I am a father to many, many, many children. Presently, over three thousand two hundred. And of course, uh, over the last 28 years, uh, since the inception of this uh, ministry that I founded uh, also together with my wife, uh, over the last 20 years, 20, uh, 28 years, uh, that we have been able to see uh, the fruits of our labor over 12,000 children uh, has gone through uh, this program. And we have been able to bring them up as little children to hide your truth. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm going to connect the dots for everyone because there's a documentary coming out on your story. Now, Dr. Moley, you grew up in poverty in Kenya. Uh, basically, at least what I'm gathering from watching the documentary, you became a, an orphan and a street boy uh, and at one time lived on the streets Tell me about that story before we get into your work that you're doing today. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, uh, I grew up in a very poverty-stricken family. And uh, my dad uh, was so much addicted to alcohol, and uh, uh, he created violence uh, most of his time uh, to my mom and myself. And so one day I woke up and found that I was not, uh, I was alone, and uh, my parents were not around. And they abandoned me, and they did not at all uh, care for me because they left me just to, uh, to, to, to continue that kind of life. And uh, uh, through that, uh, to the age of 16 years old, I was in trouble, in pain, uh, not knowing what to do next. I wanted to go to school, but yeah, things were very difficult, and also getting food. Out of that, at the age of 16 years and above, and then when I had completely reached to the climax of much sorrow 
uh, problem and not knowing what to do. And I wanted to take away my life, in other words, to commit suicide. Hmm. And during that time, really, uh, God saw me in that state. And uh, he, you know, spoke to somebody who saw me, a young man who was a little bit older than me. Uh, that young man saw me and uh, straight away invited me to join him into a church. And uh, I followed him. And at reaching of the church, there were people, especially young people, youth, uh, singing, dancing. They were full of joy. To me, I was not at all. And the, the preacher came in with a word and a message which was very powerful mm. of forgiveness. And through that, I learned to know that we have to forgive so that we can be forgiven. And uh, thereafter then, I decided to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And my life changed. Wow. And then I started thinking and asking, now what can I do? I was able to read the Word of God, and I committed myself into prayer. But that never gave me food. It never gave me even a short and never thing. I thought that I would go to the city of Nairobi and uh, walked 85 kilometers away. And then almost the fourth day I was in Nairobi trying to get a job. I had no money, I had no shoes, I had nothing. And there I was as like a beggar again, going and looking for people who could help me. I couldn't get, and I said, let me walk. They started knocking into some houses, and I, as I knocked, I kept, and uh, I don't know, uh, well, did you know the Lord? You know Jesus? Hmm. If you know, I could, I could say that, um, uh, according to the Bible, it says, knock the door, and it shall be opened unto you. Seek and you shall find. Having read those words before, it gave me encouragement to keep on knocking everywhere. A woman opened the door for me, and I asked, she asked me, why are you knocking the door like that? Do you know that you are disturbing us? And I said, I was very angry. I had never eaten. And she felt mercy on me. She was a mission lady. She gave me a job, food, and she employed me to do weeding outside a garden to acres property as well as uh, a house cleaning and washing dishes as well as clothes. And um, for 60 months, then she recommended me to her husband's husband that uh, was a CEO of a big company where they used to plant um, crops like vegetables and the coffee, macadamias and the pineapples and so forth. And so I got there, I was employed, I was promoted later, then I bought a car and that car, I converted it. I used that 
to be my my taxi and i started driving that car yeah and i don't want, i don't want you to give the whole story away because this movie this movie tells it all this documentary it's called Molly. it's coming out uh but anyway dr Molly, so you you were orphaned uh you're on the streets you you walk into this church just to kind of sum this up you 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 hear the message of Jesus. You accept Christ into your life. And then this family brings you in and, and gives you just a basic job of washing dishes, working on their farm. You save up money. And, and here's where the, the story takes a turn. Like I was on an airplane watching this documentary, and I was I was just just really immersed in this in your story. And so then you, you just save up your money, you buy a car, and then you start, you start this small business and it grows. And over time you strike it big, you become a multimillionaire in Kenya. Is that right? Oh yes. I, in other words, I became uh, a wealthy man who owned uh, properties and a big business. And that really, uh, you know, made me happy. But, uh, as one day I drove my car to Nairobi and my car was stolen by street boys who mm. wanted to show me where to park. And therefore, after that, when I lost the vehicle, I had no peace because when I saw children crying, poor uh, young people, and uh, even women and the girls who were in the street, I saw my face in the, in the Yes, wow. uh, as if it was me. I saw that reflection, and that is for three years it made me uh, to be convicted and uh, convinced that uh, God wanted me to use everything that I had to help the poor and to become the father to the fatherless. Okay, let me ask you a question about that because here you are, you go from rags to riches. Uh, literally, rags to riches. And now you have a nice house and cars, and you have a beautiful family. Uh, you're married at the time. And all of a sudden, you begin to see your face in the face of these orphans and poor children in your country. And God begins to convict your heart. At what point was it in, was it, were you praying? At what point were, were you so convicted that you thought, I have to do something for these children on the streets. Yes, I remember very well one day when I was in my office in the uh, on 17th of November 1989. In the morning around 11 o'clock, I could not walk anymore and I had a fear and I felt sick and uh, there was a pressure, there was pressure into my life, and uh, as if I was also going to die. And mm. uh, uh, this was because of the three years from 1986 when my car was stolen in Nairobi, and that, those images coming again and again, the reflection, and that the pressure came now that day, and then I could not work anymore. I took my car, drove all the way to my house, only to discover within. 35 minutes later that I had driven far off from my house, which was located within five and then five minutes. And therefore, that's where I inside the car. 
but that's where I was completely um, uh, convinced that it was really God sending me to help the very poor. It was so hard as a human being for me really to say yes, but for four hours struggling uh, with the, where, you know, with, the, with that call, then I made the decision. I said, yes, God, I will, I will. And the moment I said that, then I got the great joy of my heart. Over the last 28 years now, Man. I've been working, helping these children. Man, isn't that fascinating when you finally surrender your heart to God's will and it's interesting in your story, which is what I love, so many people can relate, whether it be the rags to riches part where you meet Christ and, and you surrender your life and, and God opens doors uh, for you to find a job and then you become successful. Uh, and, and then the next part of your story is you surrender again and God uses the means uh, that he's gifted you with, the, the, the success that you had, then to turn around and save the same children that you weren't once were, uh, that street boy. And, you know, over the past 25 years or 28 years, it says that, that you guys have housed over 23,000 slum children on the streets of Africa. Yes, uh, it's really uh, wonderful. And uh, one of the things over the last 28 years I've seen many, many, many children having gone through the program because we don't give them adults. We feed them every day. We give them uh, clothing. We give them uh, health care. And again, uh, counsel them, pray for them, and love them. And then education, uh, right from kindergarten, others in primary school, secondary school up to grade 12, and those who pass, then we support them into universities. And those who cannot attend university, then we have vocational training to train them about building and construction. Then we have tailoring and cloth designing, as well as beauty therapy, and all these things that we are able to offer to, to them, to equip them, so that they become self-reliant. They don't leave monetary family and then they suffer, but they go to transform others. They become self-reliant. Mm. And that's my spirit, that I feel we have a duty bound to help those who are not able, especially the orphans and the street children. And I love this ministry. Yeah, it's quite amazing. Anybody's listening, I want to encourage you to watch the documentary, uh, but but also just to pray about like how, how God could use me and you, normal people, uh, to to help others. Here's the here's the theme that I walked away with, Doctor Molly, is that uh, we are called to intensely love our neighbor, no matter what they look like, no matter where they come from, no matter what their background is. And, and that's what came through in the documentary is that the, y- y'all's ability to love people. Uh, can you repeat the last uh, word? That, uh, our property, what, what did you say, please? Y'all's can ability, what, what really came out in the documentary was y'all's ability to love people. Oh, yes. You, you know, uh, the whole of uh, 
this movie is much focused on faith, love, faith, hope, and love. Hmm. And uh, the that you know the greatest of all is love, and it we we had on top about humility. You know the humility as God Himself through His Son gave Himself, and uh, with the humility, then He was able to reach to the people in the world. And the humility builds uh, a kind of a relationship. And the true love, which is the greatest, everybody will listen. Every child, even the mad people, those people in the street, and you may not know, I was in this city of Los Angeles, there is a street called Kids Row, and I went there, I spent the whole day at a place where it's very dangerous, but because I love those people, they are people like me, mm. I was able to share the love, I prayed for them, and also gave them food together with my team, and they fed a lot of people there, but they mostly was not about only feeding, but showing them that we are one family. Amen to we that. Belong Amen. to one father. Amen to that. Uh, so, so the documentary is called Molly, uh, changing the world, uh, one child at a time. Uh, you got to see this thing. It's out by Pauline Press. Uh, Doctor Molly, do you know when it comes out? When it's officially out on the shelf? Oh yes, uh, indeed. I am so happy, very excited to invite each and everyone on that 4th and the 50th of October. That 4th and the 50th of October, it will be screened and premiered across the country of America. It is going to be uh, in over 750 theaters. Wow. And uh, it's really uh, great. And uh, get your ticket and uh, be there. And um, you can also find more information from mullymovie.com. Mullymovie.com. Mullymovie.com, M-U-L-L-Y movie.com. You can find out all the information. Uh, It comes out in theaters October 15th. Uh, And if you can't catch it there, you'll catch it on... uh, online at the DVD or uh, the documentary. Dr. Molly, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I know you're busy at your speaking schedule and all the ministry you're doing around the world. And we'll be praying for the children there in Kenya and your work. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you very, very much. And uh, I look forward uh, for my vision, which is about reaching out mm-hmm. to the hearted world the children who are really suffering, that the people in America and around the globe, they will see the need that we need to help, and helping one child at a time. We don't need to do, like myself, of a thousand thousand children, but you can take one child, you can take two children through sponsorship, through adoption, even fostering, and so I'll be happy. And through Spirit of God, we can do great things together. Thank you so, so much. 
Amen. God bless you, Dr. Moley, and hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Boom. Welcome back to the show. How about that interview, man? Oh, my goodness. I didn't want it to end. Yeah, you're sitting over there, but uh, uh, maybe it was a little hard to understand. I mean, uh, he's got this Kenyan accent. But fascinating story, fascinating man. You got to look it up. Uh, the movie's Molly. Uh, it's Dr. Charles Molly. This look, I was caught in. If you watch it, his rags to riches story was fascinating. I mean, wow. okay. And then it takes this turn where he decides to basically use everything he has to reach kids on the street, and so it's like these two stories that you're inspired by on both ends. That, that just kind of leave you with this challenge of like, man, I need to do something with my life, even if it's small. And I, I love what he said, one, one kid at a time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Mother Teresa had that, that same philosophy, that same vision for the world where someone asked Mother Teresa, she, they said, Mother, how do you take care of you know, all, the, all the dying people, all the orphans, the streets of Calcutta? And she responded and said, it's like wash, walking on a beach and seeing all these starfish that are washed on shore. She says, all you can do is pick up one starfish and throw it back into the sea at a time. Just one at a time. And that was that was sort of her, her motto there when it became so overwhelming in the work yeah. that she did. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible story. I'm, it's one of those times where you just feel blessed to have spoken to somebody like that. Or yeah, heard them. yeah, I know it's a little choppy. Him. He's driving. He's from Kenya. He's he's doing some speaking engagements, but for taking the time. Uh, anyway, I'm challenged, and, and particularly, you know, we've we've had all these natural disasters of late in our country, and Puerto Rico, and Texas, and Florida, and Louisiana, and uh, earthquakes in Mexico, and it, it reminded me in 2005 when when we were hit with a hurricane Katrina, uh, the deadliest natural disaster, and we started an outreach uh, called. Um, starfish, which is based really? on Mother Teresa. I didn't know this and, about you. Uh, our, our mission was to just help one person at a time that he evacuated out of the city. Hmm. And we ended up helping, you know, probably ten to 15,000 people. Wow. Relocate, find their family, get food, clothing, shelter. Um, and so Project Starfish continued in Hurricane Harvey because Adore Ministries uh, operates in, in Houston. And I've just kind of been having all these emotions with everything coming together. And then watching this documentary just just really challenged me once again, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just to do God's work in, in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's the person next to you in your office, a family member, or giving to someone, or helping, or adopting, whatever. It's all different for everyone in a sense of what God can call us to do with one person at a time. But don't ignore that tug on your heart, that burden, that little, that little voice inside to help and do something. Wow. 
So not every battle is our battle to fight, but we need to be in a battle. Yeah, there is a battle we need to fight. Yes, there is a battle we need to fight, but the battle that you fight or choose to do or give to or spend time doing or whatever, uh, I, I might appreciate it, but it might not be the same battle God's calling me to fight. Mm-hmm. But I need to be caught fighting. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Right? You don't want Jesus to come back and we're just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here, here's the other thing that's fascinating about his story, and I want to tie this all in because uh, we're li- like you turn on the news, it's just crazy today in the world, is if you go to Africa and you go to Kenya, there's different villages mm-hmm. uh, that hate each other. Yeah. And they're the same skin color. Yeah. It's not a racial thing. It's not a racial thing. It's a hate thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with everything going on in our world, it's such a hate thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's, it's a minority. I think the majority of people are really trying to lean into to loving people and, and accepting people. Uh, and, you know, I, in watching the documentaries really moved uh, with this, this underthread of loving unconditionally no matter who. Mm-hmm. Right, no matter yeah. what what somebody did, where they were from, what they looked like, their background, uh, their generation, it, it didn't matter. And we need in our world and in our country a love epidemic, Christ's love to the world, because when that happens, it begins to weed out hate. Well, I think we forget as Christians how revolutionary that idea is. Like this is our gift to the world, is that very idea you said that everyone deserves to be loved and respected right. and held up. Yes. That is a Christian idea, and it's it's changed the world, yes. and it needs to change the world again. Yeah, I mean, they talked about it in, in the New Testament. I mean, way back 2,000 years ago when they came up with this Jesus, this revolutionary idea that God's love and message was to the Gentiles. And people were mm-hmm. like, no, that cannot <laughs> happen. And Gentiles are all people who aren't Israelites. Mm-hmm. So they're all the people, all of us, you and I, who are different race, different color, different background. Uh, all uh, God's love is for all of us, and that's what Jesus was saying. And that is still true today. That truth will never go away. And it is the truth that will reign and will be the answer to our world's problems. Amen, brother. What an inspiring show. Boom! So how about, uh, I think you've been writing over there a little six-pack of questions. Question. Well, let's just take a moment and appreciate the fact that we just talked to somebody who some other people, teams of people, and money was spent to make a movie about. Yeah, that's crazy. Let's just appreciate that for a Th- second. That'll never happen to me. They'll never. <laughs> well, question number one. It'll never be. Uh... If it did. Yes. If someone made a documentary of Paul George. Mm-hmm. What would it be called? What would be the title? And you can't just say your name. That's a combat. living large with Paul George. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't use that. You uh, could. Uh, All right, give me two titles. <laughs> I think for every person that they would interview in a documentary about the good work I did, there would be someone else who'd be like, "Yeah, but I saw him <laughs> when he was He's younger." Not the real story, you actually. Know, uh, let me really tell you. Uh, yeah, I've never even thought. It never even crossed my mind that there would ever be. A documentary or a movie, but it would be funny to come up with like maybe a comedy, <laughs> <laughs> right? So maybe like what just happened, the Paul George story. Yes, yes. <laughs> what should have happened? <laughs> it could have been great, the Paul George story. <laughs> right. So much potential. So <laughs> much potential. 
really tall guy who uh i had this uh, i was in los angeles last week and um so, so i have this weird thing that happens people run into me all the time like physically not like you you say you know i ran into so-and-so which means like you saw so-and-so right and you told him hi like people physically like run into me i'm so sorry man uh and i think it's just because i'm taller and like you take so up more space shorter people I just kind of like maybe looking down. I think now that people are on their phones <laughs> and they, they just run into like my chest. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and so we're walking through this plaza and uh, this, this woman, this group of people and this woman, this woman runs right into me and she, she looks up, she goes, she goes, uh, Oh, you're tall. You're big like tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title. Big like tree. Big like tree. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. So we had so much to talk about with this story. But one of the first details that hit me, and maybe we should dwell on it, is that he was abandoned by his parents. Like, literally, okay? So you've worked with a lot of people dealing with life, and there aren't a lot of people who have had their parents literally abandon them like that. Yeah. But that experience of being abandoned by your parents or issues with abandonment is is real right yeah it is so how do you deal with that and you know how how prevalent is that as you work with people so abandonment is is real for for all of us and we could have parents who are present who and we still feel abandoned maybe mm -hmm. they're not there they're not talking to us maybe we're lonely maybe we grew up lonely maybe we are orphaned maybe we come from a divorced home maybe our parents were workaholics or worked too much or didn't uh, really dive into our life and story. Um, but here's what I know in dealing with even my own abandonment issues, uh, or talking and dealing with other people is that God, the father and the Trinity can take the place of any, uh, abandonment gaps that we have in our life. And that's not just a cliche, right? It's not like a cliche because God's real and alive. So he's not a statue. He's not, you know, a memory. God is present in all times and seasons. So in his timelessness, God can not only go back and be with us in our abandonment in the past, but he can be with it in our abandonment now. Mm. That's the power of God and the Holy Spirit can, 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 can do all things in all times and all seasons and in all places. And what I've found is that when you, when you and I come to a full... Uh, surrender to the reality that that the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and even the presence of of God's Mother Mary, can take the place and fulfill the gaps of those abandonment. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Question number three. So his his difficult life, his parents abandoning him, growing up on the streets, led to him not seeing life as worth living. Yeah. Um. How are those things connected, those those core relationships of our life? And I'm thinking of my own experience in my life that I just kind of assume, you know, relationships with family, relationship with close friends aren't going to impact the way I see the world and life, like on my own little island. But that's not the case, right? Like it led to him just not seeing life as worth living. What is the connection there between our relationships with others and our own view of life? Well, I think a lot of times we can feel abandoned by people. We can feel hurt by people. We become angry and bitter I run into a lot of people who are angry and bitter at life. They have yet to turn the page, just turn the page and move on. 
and they'd live in that. And he was living in that abandonment and, and the hate and on the streets and, and people didn't help him until he ran into a family that brought him in. They brought him into their home and gave him work and food and a place to live. And that began to build trust back. And, you know, I, I find a lot that, that we just stay in our past instead of moving into our future. All right, question number four. He mentioned taking Jesus seriously with uh, knock and it will be open to you. So he took that scripture passage and he lived that truth and so he started knocking, right? Yeah, literally. <laughs> so have you ever had that experience of like hearing the gospel, you know, one quote or one idea and you're like, wait a minute, I'm going to take this seriously and, and do some stuff about it. Yeah, look, there's if there's one thing I don't mess with, it's the Gospels, man. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you want to be challenged in life and really brought to a full understanding and fulfillment, read the Gospels about Jesus. And there will be some hard things that are hard to understand. Um, but, you know, I've been wrestling with this one idea. This guy, this preacher said, you know, Jesus, when he, he was in the storm with the disciples, he was sleeping in the boat. And the disciples were freaking out, right? You know the story. And he was sleeping because he wasn't affected by the storm. He was living in God's reality, the reality of the Father, which is a calm, a peace, even in the midst of chaos. And this guy said this. He goes, uh, you have power through Jesus of any storm that you can sleep through. Mm. And I remember thinking, there's some storms I'm not sleeping through right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been working on, right? That, that's That's... The truth of the gospel, and if I can truly trust in Jesus, then no matter what the chaos is going on in my life, I, I can have that peace that allows me to rest even in the midst of the storm. Awesome. All right, question number five. So you watched this man's life on film before you talked to him. Yeah. And then you got to interview him about it, um, which is a very cool experience. What was that like? I mean, obviously you were very moved by his story as you saw it depicted in the documentary, and then you got to talk to him about it. What's it like talking to, talking to him about that? I mean, that was crazy. I want to meet him. I want to hug him. <laughs> I do. I do. Like, Get I want to meet him and hug him. He seems out. just like the most authentic, godly man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, uh, the thing is, once it comes out in theaters and people start hearing about it, then I'll be like, hey, I, I, I interviewed him. Uh, now most people don't know, but it's, it's really going to be a cool a cool movie. I can see like churches getting together to watch it and, and discuss it, you know, like things like that. Families, I'm going to watch it with my family and just kind of discuss what are some themes there that we can really be moved by. Which leads me to question number six. So how do we all love stories like this, right. inspirational, true stories, whatever. So how do we move past simply an admiration and like a yeah. nice two hours watching a film yeah. to where it actually impacts our life? Process it, write something down, ask God to to place something on your heart from the movie uh, or the book you're reading or the gospel you read and, and just say, Lord, you know, I, I try to end my prayer time. Like when I have a prayer time, I try to end it with, with some type of movement. Like, okay, God, with what I read today or prayed with today, h- how can I move this into action? What can I do about that? And sometimes it's just like, what you can do today is just trust. Okay. I can do that today. That's what I'm going to try to do. Or what you can do today is, you know, uh, actually call someone that you haven't called before or you can forgive someone. So so move it into a decision and once you make a decision, then you know you're going to take some action. Cool. So anyway, great show. Thanks to Dr. Moley, Adam, for uh, 
for uh, getting the rust off today. <laughs> it was a good show. You can get the show on Twitter at PaulGeorgeII, PaulGeorge.LA online. We'll upload it. We'll send it out. You can podcast it. You can share it. You can do all, all sorts of things. And, yeah, we, we, we kind of have a cool, different format that we're doing that we're excited about the show. So thanks for tuning in. God bless. <laughs>